I also feel that the reason they are going into this endurance journey is because they feel that they're missing something. And there's a deeper calling within them of knowing that something's missing. And they're not sure what they're acting upon, but they know that they're acting according to their truth and what's truly deep inside them. And it's not that social validation. It is actually an opportunity to hear your inner voice and allow the path to develop for yourself because the inner voice already knows where to go. And you need to hear the whisper. And sure, that's a daily exercise with going internally. And even if it's just 90 seconds or five minutes per workout, but your ability to tune into that channel, I think is exactly what they're looking for and what they're missing. And what I keep saying, when they're looking at the posters at the REI, and there's just some sort of awakening of some sort of emotion that goes deep past the poster or past the picture they're looking at on a website, and it triggers something that that is what I think is they're being pulled towards. And, you know, it's the old saying, I don't know where I'm going, but I know how to get there. And that's our inner sense, right? Our inner sense, our inner voice, we just have this draw to continue to figure it out with that endurance training and experiences and adventures and events, I think really contribute to that. It's a way, one of many ways to have that connection, to find out, to hear your inner voice, the whisper. Every moment spent exploring is a good one. And every day is an opportunity to get outside, play, experience. When we focus on the present, adventure is everywhere. It is in the journey as well as the destination. It's in the places that don't feel ostensibly foreign, like our cities, communities, and neighborhoods. The outdoors, training in nature is an invitation to practice open-mindedness and spontaneity, to relish every moment we have away from the indoors, our desk, a screen. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is Episode 168, the Weekly Word Podcast, a podcast about endurance and the pursuit of potential, the endurance athlete that lives within all of us, and the potential that comes with it. This week, we will dive into something different, a heated debate <laughs> right off the bat that David and I got into regarding Strava, Strava segments, and the whole use of Strava with our athletes and in the training world. We talked about challenge week lessons learned to start the show off, and we dove into the Spider-Man commentary, with great power comes great responsibility. We talked about an athlete that did an amazing thousand kilometer bike ride around Lake Michigan. And we end the podcast with a sort of from the heart explanation on how all this balance and managing training and family and work really works. It ties into a lot of concepts that we're currently working on and working through here on the Weekly Word podcast. I hope you enjoy episode 168, and I look forward to hearing your commentary and your feedback and your questions and the things you liked and didn't like at any point in time. Just send me an email at chris at aimcoaching.com. That was exciting. We had our biggest challenge week 
partially because it was the second one we've ever done. Yeah. Second annual challenge week. People in previous episodes heard about what challenge week was. Just to recap really quickly, it was a week where individuals had an opportunity to demonstrate with their fitness, with their mindset, a event, a series of events that were far greater than anything either that they had ever done or that they thought they could do. So this looked like a a very, very large volume of triathlon work, or this looked like Everesting on a bike, or it looked like the 6660, which you introduced, which was 10 six-mile runs in a 60-hour window, I believe. So basically just running every six hours for six miles, and that was very popular. So Chris, what was your takeaway from Challenge Week? What did you observe? It's a good question. What did I observe? I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the interesting thing. You 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 sort of have me there because I um didn't observe much for myself. I was not necessarily that um blown away by the six by six by sixty. I thought it was a really good exercise. I thought it was less disruptive in people's lives because you know the six hour gap makes a big difference you can maintain that for a little bit longer without you know, completely giving up on everything when you do four by four for 48 you know by the time you're done with the uh, the four miles and back to normal state of human activity you basically have two and a half hours left until the next one and so that sort of makes it unfeasible with families or you know, children or activities or work or anything else going on. And so I found that the six by six by 60 was a very balanced um, result because people were properly challenged by it. But again, it didn't ruin their, you know, weekend or that 48, 50 hour window. We started on a Friday where we only did two that day and we did the other eight in the Saturday and Sunday window. So people could actually go to work that day. So they did the 6 a.m. six miler. They didn't do the noon six miler and then they did the 6 p.m. six miler. And then it really kicked in because then you had the midnight six miler, the 6 a.m., six, you know, 12 noon and so forth. But I felt like that integrated again back into people's lives better and you know it to me as you as you know david and um this might get some angry responses but you know to me yeah it's all great to be hard and uh, freaking punch your head through a wall and go full goggins on something because that's a verb these days but we're also all sort of um a little bit more grown up and we have responsibilities we have families, we have activities, we have community, we have little league games, we have soccer games, we have lacrosse tournaments, we have all kinds of crap going on in our lives. And so the whole point of this endurance lifestyle that you and I are trying to instill in so many of our clients, not all of them, but in most of them, I would say, is your ability to integrate it integration is the most important component there because otherwise it's not sustainable 
And I felt like six by six by 60 was a good example of that. All right. How are we, you and I, David, creating something that's challenging, that's hard, that builds confidence, that grows the athlete, that is more than they've done before, pushes them to the edge of what they deem possible or what they're familiar with so that they can really learn and grow on those edges. And yet, still have the opportunity to be present, to live your weekend life, to be a family, contributing family member, not just be a zombie. Because also keep in mind with the four by four by 48, like, I'm sorry, for like two days after you're still a zombie because you missed like two nights of sleep, right? Because you're getting up every two hours. And so we all know what that feels like. I mean, it's just, so again, it's about integration and how do we make this all work while still playing out the interest, the curiosity, the passion of endurance athletics, the endurance lifestyle, the benefits, the health benefits, the mental benefits, all that. And I felt the six by six by 60 was a great insight for that. A lot of people gave us really good feedback with how much they were able to do that weekend despite six by six by 60. We also had people who were like, man, I didn't think I could run 100K in a matter of, you know, two and a half days, but I did, you know, and those are, those are experiences that just build confidence, that give you sort of validation. This is the work I've been doing and training, not necessarily for six by six by 60. None of our athletes were trained necessarily for six by six by 60. That's the whole point. It was to be something completely out of the blue where you're not sure if you can complete it. And we're using the six by six by 60 as an example, but the, some of the triathlon endeavors that people did or the Everesting en endeavors on their bike that people did or seven days of hundred mile, um, bike rides in a row, or, you know, it's all things they've never done before. And it sounds a lot less daunting. That was the fun of the challenge week too. For so many of us, it was a microcosm of what you are, what you go through in a season. We sign up for something. The challenge week looked doable on paper. How many people were like, yeah, oh, well, I can do this. And then maybe I should add this. And maybe there's that. And you and I kept saying, well, you might want to pump the brakes on that because you know, let's get you three, four days in and see who you are versus sort of adding on and setting ourselves up for disappointment, for failure, for lack of validation. We wanted this to be a positive experience of what you're capable of, not what you're not capable of. And so the microcosm of that is what we go through in a season. People sign up in November and December right now for events for 2022, and then they can do this. And then, oh, that looks cool. Or, you know, I'm going to do that. Well, that's all good and great on paper. Now, how do we execute on it? Now, how do we make this work? Now, how do we integrate it into our life and into our day-to-day? -day? Now, how do we stay motivated and connected to that goal that seems so far off in the future? Now, what does that work really entail? What's the sacrifice, right? And so this exercise was very similar to that. What people did in the first two, three days was doable. Now, seven 100-mile rides in a row doesn't sound that bad for somebody who's training, in this case, for Ironman. But he's never done seven in a row. So as of the second one, he's like, oh, okay, there, I can feel that. The third one, it's like, all right, this is actually difficult. The fourth one, this sucks. <laughs> the fifth one, right? And it goes on from there.
so that by the time day seven comes and you're at like mile 25 and you're like, shoot me, I still have 75 miles to go. I'm so sick and tired of this. That's the point. That's the edge where the growth happens. That's those discomfort days where you wake up and you just have to get on your bike and start pedaling. That's the key. So that was the challenge week. I mean, that's those are the main insights and that's the beauty of it. It's just sort of like this, you're, you sort of step off the grid for a week and immerse yourself into endurance events or a, a challenge. In some cases, they were endurance events because what they did was like an Ironman, a half Ironman, an Olympic distance in a week. But without giving up your day-to-day life and seeing how much you can fit in your day-to-day. And that was the piece of feedback we received from so many people of, I didn't realize that if I'm really present, I'm really organized, I'm really intentional, I'm really thoughtful, how much I actually can fit in my day. And we both know that's not sustainable. People got tired, of course, and so forth, but you can. And this is back to what I work with so many athletes on with regards to endurance lifestyle and lifestyle coaching versus just coaching of training plans. I have very little, um, uh, not confidence, but very little need to make the training plans any more complex or, you know, fancy. They are what they are. You do that work, you'll be fine. It's how to make that work on a day-to-day basis to integrate it into your life and actually make the lifestyle adjustments and actually be able to do the workouts that are in the training plan. And that's what most people struggle with after three, four, five, six weeks. Like it's all good and great with initial momentum and energy, but then, then what happens, right? Then those other pressures, and they're not even legitimate pressures in so many cases, right? Then they, well, I just felt like sleeping in. And then, you know, I had a big breakfast. And then by the time it was Saturday morning, I got out the door at like 11. Well, good luck trying to do that five-hour bike ride or that four-hour run when you're leaving at 11. Your day's gone. It's gone. You're going to be back for dinner, right? Whereas if you get out the door at 6 a.m. and you're done with that five-hour bike ride, uh, ride before noon, well, guess what? You ha- you're actually present for the rest of the day. Maybe with your fitness, it might not be. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, You lose the discipline and the clarity and the commitment on a weekend like that or on your training like that. Now the rails start coming off, right? Because people see that your family and your support networks see that you're not as diligent on it or um, emotionally committed to the outcome that, you know, cause you remember that's a big difference. And it's actually what I'm doing this week's, uh, newsletter on emotional commitment versus commitment. This is a good example of it. You going at 11 still shows your commitment. Hey, you're out doing it, but you're sacrificing a lot right? Like that pulls us back to what we're going to talk about in a bit with regards to athlete mission statement. You just changed it. You're off your mission statement, which means I am not going to sacrifice family time in order to pursue an endeavor. Um, that's just for me. Like I'm not going to lay in bed until eight 30, then have a nice coffee and breakfast and sort of at 11 meander out the door. Now it's that's selfish, right? Because now the rest of the family and the day is it's, you're not present. 
And so that's the difference. It's commitment versus emotional commitment where it's like, I care. This means something to me. I'm willing to sacrifice because I care in the overall full system of this, right? The fully, the way it's all works with family, the way it works with work, the way it works with my kids, the way it works as a husband or a wife. That's the emotional commitment to this. Not just, hey, yeah, I did it. That's back to what I'm you know, going to be talking with Rich about. Showing up or versus, I don't like showing up. We talked about this last time. Mm-hmm. That's showing up. Rolling out the door, you feel good at 11, that's showing up. Hey, check the box, I did it. Yeah, good. Great. We'll see that at the finish line of your Ironman or of your 50K, how that showing up gets you to the result that you care about. And this is what I always bring up and people who've listened to all the podcasts know I talk about this all the time. Who do you want to be at the finish line? Do you want to look back and go, yeah. And I had an athlete like this just the other day. We just had a call yesterday about it and I was reading his race report from a week ago. He noted in his post-race report and his debrief that he wrote out to me, it's all the little seven and 10 minute things that I cut short and not showing up with intention that I felt at the finish line of my 70.3. Not because of fitness, but because knowing deep down inside, there's a better version of me that could have showed up to this event. And it would not have required that much. It just means showing up with intention versus just checking the box. A green thing in training peaks does not mean it was a great workout. Wow. A interesting finding from the 6660 with a number of our athletes is uh, some of them got sick after and uh, several, I should say, which is not, you know, a majority, but it was enough that there was a bit of a pattern. And that ties back into what you were just talking about, that it's not just the event, the, you know, anybody can, as we found people with not a lot of running experience, not a lot of miles under their belt, were able to successfully complete the 6660. It was about the realizing that, hey, this is much more than I'm used to doing. And as such, I need to invest even more energy into my recovery, to my sleep quality, to my nutrition, making sure the meals are ready. I know what I'm going to eat. I'm not just going to grab what's available or quick. And I have a very strong suspicion that that caught some people off guard who were completely new to this amount of volume spike and they were not prepared. Yeah. And and it brings us back to, again, integrating into our day-to-day life. Now, this one wasn't quite as shocking, but let's say you do the four by four, right? For 48. Well, you know, when you're getting two hours of sleep, your immune system is so compromised for many days post that while it's trying to rebuild itself because you never got any true deep sleep, right? And next thing you know, your restorative aspect of your body and being able to recover and your immune system being able to fight sickness, absolutely. Huge impact. And I'm sure the six by six by 60, as well as the challenge week in general, it just shows that there's more to this than going out and checking the box once again, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to be thoughtful on this stuff. It can be done. We can do as human athletes so much 
It's incredible what kind of an engine and optimized endurance machine we are. But it comes with a requirement of paying attention. We, that's our responsibility, right? Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility, as Spider-Man would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Ben. Exactly. But I mean, with but that, that power of endurance, that power of what we're capable of, that power of all those things is, okay, what am I, how am I taking care of the engine that's taking care of me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a different question, right? It's not um, how much can I do? How strong am I? It becomes who do I want to be? As you have been focusing on that key question, that, that core concept. And do I want to be the kind of person who can go out and crush? Or do I want to be the kind of person who can go out and crush, but be robust and feel good and feel on top of my life? And that fundamentally different question seems to shape the entire side of the logistics of the personal responsibility, the quiet time when all those things need to be done twice as well, your nutrition and your sleep and your stress management, your time management. Well, and hopefully it's a catalyst for like, this is how I need to take care of myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Because who do you respect more? The person who can do it once or who's constantly living that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Those people that you look at where you're like that that dude or she can do like she's never sick she can do anything she's just amazing well that doesn't come without a care for body that doesn't care come without years of consistent training and paying attention and just doing the little things it's not a lot of work because they're now part of your daily routine and habits and how you live anyway and that's back to what I was saying before. Lifestyle coaching. Understand this is an investment into the future version of you that's healthier, stronger, better, smarter, right? Like the, you and I go through this all the time on our Tuesday calls, but this is the stuff I talk about. Like, who do you want to be, right? Don't tell me what you did. I think, you know, great. You did the six by six by 60. Tell me how you did it. Because how you did something will tell me more about who you are. How you did something will tell me more about the thought you put into it. What you did, great. There's a lot of people that can do what many of us do. But if they're lying on the side of the road on Monday because they're so shelled and beat up and they can't really function properly, great. They did the six by six by 60. But then, you know, because it ended on Sunday, the six by six. But then on Monday... They're like a ghost. <laughs> they can't function. Well, that's that's great. You did it. You did the what, but not how did you do it, right? Because again, so who do you want to be on the other side of this? And there's that's the typical um, one and done, right? The signing up for something, doing an event, and I did it. Yeah, I did an Ironman. Yeah, I did a marathon. Yeah, I did a 50K once. Yeah, I did. That's great. That's all good and great, but who like do that 10 years in a row? That's a different ball game. And again, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying that that's the difference between endurance lifestyle and, you know, dabbling a little bit in this experience. Yeah. Yeah. That'll impress somebody who literally doesn't know anything about sport, but it will not do anything for an athlete. Yeah, it was great at the water cooler on Monday when you're, you're sort of passive aggressively telling people what you did. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I missed the water cooler. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so what did you do this weekend? Oh, you know, yeah. you know mowed the back lawn, you know, cleaned up some stuff, you know, watched the football game. So how about you? What did you do? Oh, well, <laughs> I did this thing called the 6 by 6 by 60 What? Let me tell you about You're it. You're amazing. <laughs> you are just so awesome. Oh, you know, it's just a little something. Well, tell me more about it. I can well, I can't walk for two weeks because I wasn't prepared <laughs> exactly. for it. I'm calling it sick tomorrow, but that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm actually going to be clinically depressed for the next three days due to my hormone profile being shelled. <laughs> yeah. Lack of sleep. Yeah. So. But, you know, but, but that's the thing. Like, who do you want to be? Is this something that's deeply ingrained in your persona and you care about? And you make that commitment to that lifestyle, or is it you're doing it for that discussion, for that sort of water cooler slash the next cocktail party? Like, hey, so what are you doing? Those, I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating the the, the situations of this, but you get the point. Mm, no, you're not, because we are going to talk about Strava, but that is the cultural moment that we are in right now. Well, that's the same thing with FKT stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. People are right. losing I mean, their way at scale. Yeah. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. These are some amazing athletes doing some of these things. But when you're just sort of looking around to do an FKT versus an established FKT that you're trying to put forth an athletic performance that requires you to prepare differently and stronger and be more thoughtful and be more fit and have really the logistics planned out. That's a different FKT than finding something nobody's done before, right? Because guess what's going to be happening soon? The swim run FKTs are going to start happening from island to island to island. Like, hey, I swam from San Francisco to Half Moon Bay and then I ran back. Hey, FKT. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Nobody's done it before. <laughs> of course it's yeah. FKT. But, things are a nightmare to keep track of. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's irrelevant. And, yeah, back to square yeah. one. Like, all right, we'll define what an FKT is and we're back to then doing going against what FKT was in the first place, which was just mm -hmm. to be sort of a non competitive, somewhat competitive, right? But mm -hmm. just sort of a different way to go about this versus organized events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I an feel, exhibition, yeah. Yeah. And you're right, with the Strava thing, it's the exact same thing. It's like you're putting yourself on a public leaderboard to see how you stack up, right? And what I have, an, an, you know, coming from a racing background and coming from a competitive lifestyle background, doing something when nobody's looking and you can hit delete when it's not going your way, that's not racing and competitive to me. Mm -hmm. doing something on the day when it needs to be done and that day can't be moved and it is the engine you have called competition day. That's the skill. That's the whole point of this. Stepping into the arena when nobody's in the arena and you can step back out because it's not going your way, that's not stepping into the arena. And that's to me what Strava is, right? That's to me what Strava is ends up being you can not post that number if it's not the number you like 
I have a very different take on it. Let's dig into this. And we should first, for the half of the people on the call who aren't using Strava all the time, what is Strava? So Strava is a social media app for endurance athletes. And what it does no, is it no, takes- No, 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 no. Don't call it endurance athletes. Don't even go there. Come on. Who, wh- it can what? be anyone. It can be, you can be a 10K runner. You can be a, a, a commuter on your bike. I mean, it, Strava works for everything. It's not endurance yeah, athletes fair point. primarily. Yeah, casual paddle boarder. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Anybody who does uh, anything that uses the aerobic system, it's useless for tracking, weightlifting. It's much more for yeah. well, it can be anything that has GPS. Yeah, GPS Watts or GPS base. That's okay. what it does. So, social media. Um, what's great about it is it takes the file from your Garmin or whatever, and it puts it up there. It makes a nice little pretty map. And then people can go in and write, um, hey, this is what I did. It was super fun. My knee hurt. Woo. And then they can post a photo. And crucially, and this is where it starts getting weird, there's a kudos function, which is just a like function. So other people on the social network can slap that like button. And then there's also comments. And um, most people don't leave comments, but sometimes people do. And they'll be like, wow, great job, Cindy. So that is Strava. And it has a lot of functions built into it that are very interesting, such as segments, where if you do a certain route that a lot of other people will done, then it will tell you both how fast you were on that route compared to the last 10 times you've done it or whatever. And it will also compare you to the leaders, the fastest man and woman to have ever done that section. And there's a big thing right now on YouTube where people are basically making careers out of going and crushing Strava segments that are really big ones, uh, iconic ones. And uh, it's kind of like the FKT thing, the fastest known time um, thing that we were just talking about. So that is Strava. And if you will humor me, I think, so I have a list I prepared of, of positives and negatives, right? Because there are some great things to come out of so Strava. So far, and I there hear are no some... positives. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's see if any of these are positives, Chris. So... One of them is you can see the whole point of posting something so that you get external validation for the training segment or the effort you did already Mm -hmm. goes against my line of thinking. Well, that's a fundamentally negative. Yeah, that's a fundamentally negative paradigm that I think a lot of people get put into. And that's why we're bringing it up, because you identified previously that uh, in our athlete pool, there are people who we'll, we'll get to it, but they care way too much about their how they look and not enough about their relationship with the sport on a personal, individual, lonely level. And that's a problem. So let's look at how people get sucked into this in the first place, the positives. One, you can see what your friends are doing. You can see what Jim Walmsley's doing. And you can see what David Hatena from InfoChain is doing. You can do that on Instagram too. You can if they post on Instagram. The difference is Instagram takes real work. And Strava is just automatically there. So A lot of people have their settings by default set so that every single thing they save on their Garmin gets uploaded to Strava automatically. And now you can, as you're scrolling through your feed, you can see, okay, cool. Like all these people did their workouts. You can see exactly what they were, what their pace was, what their elevation gain was. And that, that can be interesting if you're part of running groups or cycling groups, uh, then that can be really nice. And it's also a fun way to be inspired. You can see pros. You can see all the race results from people who upload to Strava, which is a lot of racers. And you can see 
how they raced. You can see when their wattages were high, on what climbs were they attacking. You can see everything. It's very interesting. Again, these are just the positives. We'll get to the negatives, which are severe. um, Curated, though, because uh, the top pros are not putting that data out there. um, Some of the top pros are not. Some are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there's a, again, it's curated. Yeah. You choose what you put out there and what data of that, what you put out there, you're listening. Maybe heart rate, Fair. not so much. Maybe yeah, wattage. Yeah, you can hide heart rate. You can hide wattage. Exactly. Yeah. So again, yeah. let's not forget all this is curated and manicured to create yeah. an image of who you want to be versus the truth of who you actually are. And again, going through the effort of posting something out there because you, even by default or not, because I know what I do on my Garmin, um, my Strava mm-hmm. segment BS is never checked. It's mm-hmm. not on. You're not on Strava, right? I'm not on Strava, nor yeah. like, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on nothing. Um, yeah, so I hate Facebook, Facebook so much. Um, so, that, and we're only well, on Instagram because our audience is there. Meta, then, meta, meta, you should be better than that. Facebook, how dare you? Meta. <laughs> God almighty. So... But that being said, like you're back to Strava, like, I, I fundamentally can't get over the first hurdle. Well, let's dig into that, but let's let's get there. Okay, let's get there. Okay. Uh, other right. benefits. Let's just finish out the benefits. It, it is a phenomenal way to find out about really interesting routes that you had no idea existed. I do this all the time. My Google Maps, which is on Garmin too, which is on Garmin to a much lesser extent because Popular you see the heat map and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you see that, but it's. I would say it's categorically different. It feels more distant on Garmin as where on Strava, it's literally like, okay, this famous mountain runner posted this trail that you literally didn't know existed in the Sierras. And you're like, oh my God, I want to go do that. And I do this all the time. I have a large list of stars up and down the Western seaboard on Google maps because I'll look at the, you know, the map of what they ran. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have to do that. That's one of the most beautiful places I've seen in the Sierras. Didn't know you could even get there. So those are the positives. Let's get into the negatives. You're forgetting another positive. They upload all that stuff to municipalities and state governments in order to optimize cycling routes, in order to optimize um, popular running and walking trails. And so there is a big um, component there that is actually brilliant with regards to movement of people commuting to work, how they commute to work and things like that. So um, that's that's one of the few positives in my so far the rest is all personal that's a big one yeah and the strava heat map which is great if you're in a new town or you're getting into a new sport or you're getting into longer distances and you want to find out where's a good place to ride then you can look at the garmin heat map but the strava heat map is just better in my opinion and it's phenomenally useful tool especially when you're in some town and you need to get a run in and you're like oof this this is how i get my phone stolen and mugged (laughs) i should probably look at where people run oh it's just this one little area over here and nowhere else so um, that has happened to me not the mugging part but i digress Um, so here are questions that you can ask yourself if you are a strava user So when doing your workout or when planning your workout, do you find yourself thinking about what it will look like on Strava? I have caught myself having this emotion, right? Like, oh God, I'm going slow. People are going to think 
I'm an idiot or not an idiot. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe they think that that's fine. But yeah, they're going to think I'm slow. I'm out of shape. We're all slow and out of shape because if you go by the Strava aspect of that, there's always somebody better, stronger than you. You're always going to, I mean, mm-hmm. again, I can't, I can't, I'm just, my head's exploding. Coach's, coach's worst nightmare called Strava. People riding outside of their zones or their efforts or their intention or their intervals because of some Strava BS, right? Like it's like, mm-hmm. well, how am I be- being perceived? It's a training session. It's not a race. So in my training session, who cares what other people are doing and what I care what I'm doing. I care about the adaption and the absorption of the training load that I'm doing, not what some Strava BS is telling me or what it could be or great, like Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the key question is, is this tool making your life better or is this tool making your life worse? And these are the questions you can ask yourself. Well, you're back. You can have the same arg- argument about Instagram, but this is just for athletic mm-hmm. experience, right? Like, correct. And again, I'm, I still can't get over the hurdle of why. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? There's nothing wrong with exploring your neighborhood, going for a run or exploring new towns and new cities. Yeah, that's part of the human condition that you're in dangerous areas or things like that. But like I learn, explore, curiosity, nervousness, fear, all those things kick in when I'm going to explore someplace I've never been. That left turn there, huh? I've never been down that way. I wonder what's there. That triggers totally different human activity of the brain than go left here. This is a popular Strava heat map, whatever. And therefore everything's curated and easy for me. Hey, let's turn on the air conditioning for you while we're at it and maybe put in a nice, uh, a water stop. I mean, you're making my head explode, David. I know you're doing this on purpose to get the. <laughs> I'm really content. not doing this on purpose. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, you, we have a, I believe we have a certain ownership to what we're doing and not you know, not for other people, for ourselves. You know, we talked about this during the, um, during the challenge week, right? Like I'm not going to quit because nobody's watching. That's the whole point, right? I'm watching. I myself care about what I'm doing. Who are you when nobody's watching? Who are you when you're not doing it for Strava? Who are you when you're not trying to make it look good for somebody else? Mm -hmm. Right? Then we can reflect on back on who we were when we were the only ones watching and we still did the training right. That makes me feel good in an intrinsic way, in a meaningful way when I look myself in the mirror at night and go, yes, I had my day, I did my work, I showed up with intention for me, and I am better for it. Not because somebody else is going to give me a little thumbs up or kudos or a like. It's because it's for me, there's a deep satisfaction in that. Or do you need an audience or a big pat on the back for this training? Why are you doing this? Back to the original question, who do you want to be? Are you not important? Are you yourself? Are you for yourself not important enough to do it for you? Are you not good enough for that? Do it for yourself. <sighs> Get me really worked yep. up here. So, and I would even add to that, 
um, you know, we are social animals. We are hardwired to have a deep regard for what other people think about us. It's how we survived in tribal situations yeah. for 2 million years. But we have to ask ourselves that. Yes, we are. I fully agree with you. We are community, mm -hmm. tribal, being supported. If you get kicked out of the tribe because you don't sort of follow the basic rules, yes, you die, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, yeah. this is psychology 101. Um, but this and endurance activity, endeavor, experience that we're going for is not for some sort of validation tribe aspect. It's for us. It's for our growth and our inner growth and our reflection of our inner self to the outer world. It's who we can be. Again, who do I want to be? When I get to where I want to be, then I can be the social animal that you're talking about. But right now, I got to do the work. I got to show up and do the work. Otherwise, I'm never going to be the person I want to be that is therefore accepted more by the tribe and makes me feel better as my social standing. I get that. But in order to achieve a future outcome, you got to do the work. We're back to that. Mm -hmm. And to ask yourself the question, and I do this all the time, uh, what if no one would ever see this workout? What if my coach would never see it? What if no one on Strava would ever see it? And my it's just life. me. What are you talking about? Well, I know that's you, Chris, but a lot of people don't live in this samurai disciplined, you know, highest level of personal fulfillment and uh, what is it called? Self-actualization, right? So because if they did, then this podcast would not be very useful <laughs> to them. But we're back to the point of integrating with our day-to-day -day life. Your situation is a little bit different without family, without kids and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm yes. talking about, and you and I can go through our clients in many cases that we talk about on Tuesdays. And that is, okay, they have a window. They have a one-hour window. They have a 90-minute window. They're not doing it as much for Strava or for social validation or for big kudos. They're doing it because this is my window. I got to get done. My whole point with this is take that distraction off of it. Focus on yourself and on the intervals and the best possible outcome. Who am I today? Am I better than yesterday? Did I use this limited window, maximize the limited training time we have? in order to get the best possible training adaptation stimulus out of it. That's what most people are thinking. They're thinking, all right, I got 90 minutes. Do I want to go through the motions, show up, <laughs> or do I want to, how do I make it even better 90 minutes? And that means maybe taking five minutes of those 90 minutes. Now you only have 85 minutes left, but those 85 are better because you took a moment, you thought about your intentions, what you want to get out of this workout, who I want to be on the other side of this, why am I doing this, what does it connect to, what's the deeper purpose of this, what does it mean to me? Those are all questions you can go through in a matter of two and a half minutes. Now, tie those shoelaces and go. I also feel that the reason they are going into this endurance journey is because they feel that they're missing something. And there's a deeper calling within them of knowing that something's missing. And they're not sure what they're acting upon, but they know that they're acting according to their truth and, and what's truly deep inside them. And it's not mm. that social validation. It is actually an opportunity to hear your inner voice and allow the path to develop for yourself because the inner voice already knows where to go. And you need to hear the whisper. And in order to hear the whisper, you can't have all that like that you were just saying with regards to the monkey on your back.
And sure, that's a daily exercise with going internally. And even if it's just 90 seconds or five minutes per workout, but your ability to tune into that channel, I think is exactly what they're looking for and what they're missing. And like I keep saying, when they're looking at the posters at the REI and there's just some sort of awakening of some sort of emotion that goes deep past the poster or past the picture they're looking at on a website and it triggers something, that is what I think is they're being pulled towards. And, you know, it's the old saying, you know, I don't know where I'm going, but I know how to get there. And that's our inner sense, right? Our inner sense, our inner person, our inner voice, our higher consciousness, it knows where to go. But we just have this draw to continue to figure it out with that endurance training and experiences and adventures and events. I think really contribute to that. It's a way, one of many ways to have that connection, to find out, to hear your inner voice, the whisper. Wow. There's a number of things that I think people can do actionably right now on their phone, in their app to break this cycle that they may be in. And turn it off. You can't. That would be an ideal world, right? So, yeah, you know, I'm an ardent county why not? Fan. Why not? Turn it off. David, That's a good turn question. it off. I have done this. I have deleted Strava a number of times when I've been like, yeah. oh God, I care about this way too much. Yeah. Well, there's that, but also it's like, it's a false reality. It's a false reality. It's curated. Again, I don't like anything where you can manipulate the data that you put in to make it look like you did something. Of course you did it to GPS files, but you might've attempted. That's the same thing I tell my son with his skateboard tricks and what he sees on YouTube and on, on all the channels and whatever, Instagram. I'm like, dude, they don't show you the 5,000 times the guy failed at that trick. He makes it look like he landed that trick right then and there. Like, of course he knows that in the meantime, because he does the same thing, but I'm saying that's Strava. Right? You don't know how many it, times I wrote that section in order to hold 300 watts up that climb for 90 minutes. Right? Because, but if you turn it off, but if you turn it off and then choose to turn it on on the day that it worked or then upload it, come on. No, most people aren't doing that. Most people aren't doing that. Most oh, people, come hold on. My, on. No, 100%. You are I will being show naive. you this. You no, are no, being no, naive. Not, not the people that. Now, granted, it might be a selection bias. I'm sure it is, but I do not follow people who go around and knock down FKTs, right? I follow all the people I'm in my track groups. Over, I'm talking about the overall leaderboards. Yeah, I don't look at the leaderboards, right? And that's the point. There is a healthy way to have a relationship with this tool where you can get a lot of benefit, right? You can see okay. that all the people in your local group are training for SIM, okay. which is happening that right I, now. That I see. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That now, I, I you would you would but, hope I'd be intentional about this. But how 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 disciplined does one need to be in order to not get pulled into the curiosity of hey, what's very, somebody doing on this side? Right, like eventually very, you're getting sucked into it. Because well, that's more, why you more, have to ask you the question: Who do I want to be? Right, and then once you have a north star, you have to hold yourself accountable to it, and it's hard because these technologies are engineered to be as addictive as possible. Exactly, and that and, and, and you're I have being some tips. pulled to that leaderboard either way, right? Like that's that's my whole point. Like I'm not. You're going I to literally make, don't look at the leaderboards. I don't care. But 
but you, the, the and likely- I'm, I, and the reason I'm saying I is because a lot of people, I would wager, people who have a North Star, right? They have their race. They know why they're racing. It's not because they have this type A compulsion, I must achieve more, but because they find beauty and power and enjoyment and they love the process and they love the community, right? These people- And why beyond Strava? Because that's literally how you keep track of all those people. There's other ways to keep track of all those people. You can get rid of the tool and still have all the emotions and purpose and North Star and connections with other humans and mm-hmm. your training group and so forth Yeah, without the tool. That's true, right? But it's the same as like being an endurance athlete and having some, I'm going to make up a bad example, okay? But like reading Trail Runner Magazine versus not, okay? Trail Runner Magazine has a lot of crap in it that is literally garbage. And then it has a lot of things that are really cool and inspiring and nice. And it's your ability to, and this is true of any any media anywhere, right? Your ability to parse it out and pull out the good, I believe that it makes my life better. I will say that. Yeah, but... Uh, Trail Runner magazine, and I don't think that was a bad example. I think, but there, it's not. You don't have a staff of people set up to try to pull you into the BS that <laughs> that you get to disseminate the information. You open mm-hmm. the magazine, or the way, and you choose what to read and what not to read. You're yeah. not being sucked into with likes and lures and all the aspects of social engagement that mm-hmm. a Strava or let's say same concept of Instagram will keep doing to you so that you are no longer at your, your, your North star can quickly be pulled away from you. You have to be able to set up guardrails and I have actionable steps about the warrior samurai aspect that you're, you're thinking that everybody is going to have the same way. Right. It's, it's so some people, have some people qualities. need to not be on these apps. Yes. Some people need, like, you know who I'm talking about. Some people need to delete I these know, apps but, now. But that's the yes. thing, David, we're, but, this, this discussion is so good because we're bringing it back to the start. If you have the ability with regards to the North star and with regards to passion and purpose, enjoyment and love for it and outdoors and nature, and you see the value and you use Strava for that. If you have that discipline in the first place, a lot of the things that we're discussing and a lot of the dilemmas that people run into and mm-hmm. being able to make this their lifestyle and getting the work done and doing it without nobody watching with regards to the monkey on the back and doing it for themselves, they're already doing all that. So you're talking about a small group of people that have that, what you're talking about, that capability. And I'm talking about the majority because they don't have a North Star, because they don't have guardrails, because they're not doing it out of passion, because they don't have the self-commitment and discipline, because all those things, because they're having a hard time integrating it into their lives. And not because of a negative aspect, it's because they don't have practice in it. This Mm -hmm. is a different, we're talking two different types of people. Oh, 100%. But it's not binary. You're either one or the other. You're either have a North Star or you're, or you're lost and you're floating around in Agreed. social media land, somebody else's product, you know, whose data they're collecting and monetizing yeah. on. And, but it, there's a so gray area, travel. right? There, there's people who float around forever in between these. And, you know, Cal Newport, who I love, you know, he's the social media critique guy who brings in very high powered academic and practical arguments. I, I love him so much. And there is a way to have a positive relationship with these tools, right? There is a way for you to 
go on Facebook and shortcut to the PTA group because that's the only place they choose to unfortunately communicate and then not look at all the other crap about QAnon, et cetera. Okay. And in Strava, you can do the same thing. You can set this tool up so that you're literally just following your buddy Charles in the track club and seeing him progress and finding out about his next race and seeing how he did. And then you can bump into him on Tuesday and be like, hey, man, how was Sim? And he, you know, anyways, what I'm getting you at- already, You already know how Sim was because you saw it on Strava. So now you're being disingenuous by asking. Well, yeah, but now you Sim. can- How about yeah, just it, asking It's a bonus. As, mm-hmm. as a human- Hey man, how is it? It doesn't work with runners. It works with cyclists. It doesn't work with runners. They're so god darn modest. They literally don't oh, talk stop. about. Eventually, you're gonna they're gonna tell you something. I don't I have mean, that kind of. I, I only see these I'm, people once or twice a week. Like it's not I enough guess time. my my point of view here is that coming from it from a more you know, uh, stoic philosophy aspect, get. If the tool has a higher likelihood of creating a negative impact because of how it's built and the powers that it can create and stimulate in your psyche, mm-hmm. I'd rather not introduce it to avoid the temptation of the negatives versus the benefits that it brings, right? Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think there's something there with regards to Strava also from a, the days you're not having a good workout and you're, you get motivated by this for sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, all right, get your shit together, Chris. You know, um, I do the same thing in the pool when, you know, when I'm swimming with others who are, you know, competitive with me or faster than with me. And I'm like, all right, I got to like, I'm of course I'm in comparison mode, right? Like what's mm-hmm. going on today? Like, all right, snap out of it. I mean, there's definitely aspects of that with a bigger community. Again, uh, the values versus the temptations I would strongly contemplate and how I, my point of view is I would rather not because the quality of my day in life without that temptation is um, greatly enhanced by not even having that worry. I, I don't even have that discussion. And that's one way to do it, but you can't, my dad's a doctor, right? And people with diabetes that he sees um, you know, consuming more carbohydrate than they're metabolizing. They store it or they don't store it. It floats around in their blood. Their insulin goes up. Sorry, doctors for getting all of the details, not mm. quite up to 2021 science. But um, so he does what most doctors do, which says, hey, you need to cut your carb consumption. And then he walks out of the room and it's over. And guess what? Zero people comply. And it's not applicable to tell people to go cold turkey because those who are sharp enough and samurai enough are already not on these tools. Okay. Like you and I, I I go on Facebook literally zero times a year. Um, I go on Twitter zero times a year, unless my mother sends me something stupid and it's a link to some Twitter post and then it's like, God damn it. So, um, which, you know, what are you going to do? But, um, the, the point is there is a possible way here. Look, I, I literally have a list of things that people can do if they choose to stay on Strava, right? They don't have the, the desire, the willpower, the whatever it might be to delete it. So one, and, and I'm just going to go through this list. Just bear with me. Um, you can set in the settings to have every single post um, that automatically uploads to Strava. You can have it be set to private. So only you can see it. Nobody else can see it. This is really powerful because now 
you get to choose intentionally whether I'm sharing this with somebody, right? Active now, if curating. you, if you feel curating. that's correct, that's correct. <laughs> and it doesn't fricking matter because at the end of the day, you're going to show up to the race course and no one gives a damn if all your training runs were good, if you're slow, but, right? But here's my point. I mean, again, in, in an editing standpoint, like this is going to be a great podcast because this is exactly emotion and it's, it, we're storytelling. So this is good. You, 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 you hit the, you hit the nerves. So this is good. Yeah, both but of us, dear God. <laughs> my, the, the, yeah. the point here though, is that, um, okay. But the, oftentimes these people aren't going to races. They get their pride and kudos and their water cooler validation by their Strava boards, not because they're racing. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you the people showing up at the world championships whether it's age group or masters or whatever different formats, I'm not talking about pros. They, they get it handed to them either way because most of them are washed up pros is that you're, you're, they're not showing up. They're not on the top 10, mm -hmm. right? Because this, those that are not paying attention or you're that good that your upload, you don't even care because you're just crushing people anyway, but that's a yeah. totally different caliber. So there's always I'm a just bigger fish. From this, this exactly. Yeah. There's that. And I'm, I would argue, I don't have the numbers to back this up, but I would argue that those that are curating their KOM and their leaderboard results are not having the competition results to match. hundred percent. Yeah. I would, I would say that has to be true with almost no exceptions, right? Um, yeah. Jim Walmsley very famously puts all his training on Strava. Which is awesome because he's that good. He's that guy. He can do that. Well, a lot of people do that. It's literally just, it's all there. Yeah, the point is that you can use the settings in the tool to deliberately cut off the dopamine hits that you're feeling, right? So if you're the kind of person where you get excited when you get to post something to Strava because you expect a lot of likes and you know, you're going to see those 10 people gave you a thumbs up and that's going to make you feel good. You got to cut that crap out. And the way you cut that crap out is by setting all your workouts. Why? To wait, why? Because your relationship stopped being when that happens, it stopped being entirely between you and your workout and your journey as an athlete. And it started being about, well, other people think I'm cool. Okay. So I know everything I said, I know everything I said earlier, but I also think the value that, again, if that gets you out the door, again, we got to talk about that. <laughs> it was 180 flipped. <laughs> no, no, because I just, you know, I also don't want to forget the athlete that is new that is that is on their way to their first 10k that is on their way that has never done something like this before and so if this is the impetus that keeps them going for mm -hmm. sure i definitely think that aspect is good that because once yeah. you said dopamine hit i was i triggered just that automatic response of yeah but that is for motivation dopamine and motivation go hand in hand and therefore mm -hmm. if that gets the athlete out the door that creates the habit that encourages the lifestyle yes so yes. i guess what we've been missing here is more well what is the desired outcome where are we going back to who do you want to be and if who you want to be is first to engage with the endurance lifestyle, get consistent with it, sort of feel the benefits and so, and then talk about, let's say maybe what you're saying with, okay, now I'm in a routine. I feel good about this. I am doing it. I lived it. I've done my 10K. I've done my half marathon. I've done my first half Ironman. I've done, 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 done. 
now I feel like I'm being pulled in the wrong direction versus individual growth and the inner voice and whisper. Now I add these settings to it because I'm losing that sensation of what it can be for me. Correct. We've, we've done it. We've hit it. That's it. As you grow in the sport, as your relationship changes over time, you are going to get different things out of it. It's not just about showing up anymore. It's about showing up with intention. It's about your relationship with a sport. As we're previously, I just want to be able to run, lose some weight, maybe. You know, that very common thing we hear. Totally, totally, I want to do a totally fine. Again, impetus. Yeah. But it's also a maturity level, right? And you gain that maturity level with regards to endurance training by doing it. Right, you, you, when you're brand new to it and what your intentions and what your North Star is and how this triggers something in you is different than if you've been doing it for a few years and you can't put your finger on what it is, but it makes you feel great, right? And I wanna explore further and deeper and more what I'm capable of. I'm, I never thought I'd be doing this, but now look at me, I'm actually curious as to what a 15 miler feels like, or you know what I'm saying? So yeah. We, yeah. we mature as athletes, but also in our psyche as we're doing this and what used to be important to us, maybe the likes, mm -hmm. maybe the um, being top 10 in my age group at the, at the Ironman or the um, uh, 70.3 that I did or whatever, or not, not top 10, that's a bit aggressive. Um, a lot of athletes in the newer aspect of triathlon like to be, I was in the top 25th percentile, right, mm -hmm. of my age group. And that's meaningful to them. That, totally a good way to start. Like it's not necessarily the time it's relative to the course and the day. So the percentage gives you sort of a, a better sampling and then, mm -hmm. you know, top 15% and so forth. So yeah. that might've been the initial goal, but now you're sort of, you know, I really like this. I'm, I like who I am when I'm an endurance athlete, when I'm training for this. And so then combining with the Strava dopamine, then too much of the being sucked into that intention is where the road somewhat splits. Yes. And if people want to learn more about this relationship of dopamine oh, and self-actualization. get off Strava. Yeah, 1-800-CAL-NEWPORT. <laughs> so I want to steer people towards, and I've, I've done this successfully with a number of our athletes, and it was actually uh -oh. uh, Rich from going? the Coast Ride emailed me a year later, and he was like, hey, uh, you told me about Cal Newport, and he fundamentally changed my working life. I've never been more productive in my life. And this is a, a major hard-hitting executive. He just wrote a great a, article. Um, did you see that article? And what was it in the New Yorker? Oh, yeah, I, I see all this. Um, he's yeah. a contributor, monthly contributor in New Yorker. And he wrote an article, Tim Ferriss article. Mm -hmm. Yes. About how he identified in the New Yorker about how Tim Ferriss was 20 years ahead of his time that now that we're coming out of the hybrid example and work life from work from anywhere. I thought it was a great little summary of he could have gone way deeper with it. I thought he actually wasn't as deep as he could be. He did on the podcast. He went deeper. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Because yeah, I, podcast I thought that was phenomenal. very thoughtful. Yeah. You know what I would say? If, if people do want to do a deeper dive on changing their relationship with digital technology in order to address the answer to the question of who do I want to be, then simply check out Cal Newport's book or audio book, Digital Minimalism. Phenomenal book. Enough about that. But the other thing there too is like it's, it's just another tool to pull you into their platform. Yes. And, you know, I, I see the same thing like with the, my aura ring. Like I'm literally 10 days or two weeks away from just scrapping it. Not yep. because the data Told isn't you. worthwhile, but it's like, wait, 
am I sleeping because of what the aura ring's telling me or because I want to go to sleep? Like I've, I've lost, not that I've lost it, but I'm like, this is, this isn't healthy either. Like I want to go to bed when I go to bed and wake up when I wake up. I'm not just doing it in order to have a good aura ring score. Mm -hmm. Rob Stolberg talks about this, that there is data that's pretty compelling that people who buy sleep trackers get worse sleep after and I, I, I could see that, but what I would do, what I would suggest, and it might be something that you're talking about with the Strava aspect, but what I'll do with mm -hmm. the Aura aspect is, you know, once a quarter, wear it for two, three weeks. Yes. That's what I do actually. Right. And then I'm getting a sample size. I'm getting sort of in, and then I go off and let go of it and adjust. I've not learned anything. It's like the glucose monitor, the continuous glucose monitor. Was the, uh, I sat Wait, there. Wait, you didn't learn didn't anything went. from a CGM? Nothing. It, it, drove, drove you, it drove Emily nuts. She's like, you swim for four hours, then the numbers flatline. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, because you started burning more body fat, um, more, more ketone. But there was no uh, dip. Production. It's flatline. It's literally flatline. And I yeah, didn't eat anything prior or I would go for long runs and stuff like that. I didn't learn yeah. anything, nothing, well, zero. I guess that's fair because we already knew that's what happens. I, I always thought you'd find it interesting if certain ingredients like bread, for example, would jack it through the roof or rice or you'd find out what keeps it low uh, under 100. But no, none of that. You eat too healthy, Chris. The swings weren't dra dramatic enough to get any type of like, oh my God, look at my body respond to white potatoes. Or look up versus, you know, pasta yeah. versus white bread versus mm. I had a huge lunch with three sandwiches, a bag of chips and a Coca-Cola. And next thing you know, it showed something. Well, A, a I don't eat that. <laughs> B, um, there was nothing in there where it's like, oh, you know, there's actually, there were times mm. where I was wearing that, especially swimming, where I knew my um, blood sugar levels had to be low because I was hungry, but I also was getting the shakes while I was swimming and a high heart rate mm -hmm. because I was clearly bonking. Mm -hmm. The monitor didn't show anything. That is because it's not measuring, it's, it's measuring blood glucose. It's not measuring the, uptake and availability. Uh, I know, you know what I mean. That's, I'm not saying it right. I know what like, you mean, but that's yeah. my point. Like now I'm like, it's screwing with me because I know I need food. So, so what's the data helping me with, right? So yeah, speaking of social media validation, let's talk about Tom. So you had a consult call. I don't know a lot about this, so you'll fill in the details, but you had a consult call with a fellow who wanted to bike 1,000 miles around Lake fellow. Michigan. A fellow. A, fellow. a gentleman. We call them fellows? A an gents. athlete. Yeah, a human. No, an athlete. I had a call yeah, with an, an athlete. athlete. <laughs> God, it's almost, it almost sounds like CrossFit where they meticulously they only use the word athlete because obviously that's the biggest critique against CrossFitters. It's not a real sport, although it's kind of come and gone, but I digress. Uh, you don't think it's a real sport? I think CrossFit is a real sport. Um, no, I do think it's a real sport. I mean, it's a completely made up sport like Scientology, but so is every other sport. Um, so is triathlon. Hello. Yeah, exactly. It's the epitome of it's made up arbitrary sport. a guy on the back sport. of a napkin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you could say the same At thing about ultra running. running. It's like, okay, no, here's no, this no, arbitrary no, no. course ultra running. That, is no, it's like, how do I, it's come on from Sparta to marathon. I mean, we're talking like ultra running is one of the old, like getting from point A to point B as fast as you can over terrain. That's not mm -hmm. made up. Yeah. Well, no, you're like, right. It's not hey, made up, but the course is hey, what I'm getting at is 2.4 miles. No, 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 not two miles, mm -hmm. not two miles, not anything standard, like 
that people actually know in the pool, 1.5K, sure. 10K. And then yeah. let's bike 112 miles. It's a nice I mean, round it's completely number. completely made up. That's why yeah. there's no, and people wonder why there's no sponsorship dollars in triathlon. Because everybody else in the world recognizes that it's a made-up sport that completely <laughs> makes no sense and is boring to watch. And <laughs> That's true. But yet, so but yet a bunch of uh, old dudes or out-of-weight dudes, out-of-overweight dudes chasing a white little ball across 18 holes is worth $60 million. Uh, yeah, so they're lovely sweaters and white shoes. <laughs> With somebody yeah. carrying a bag for them. But yeah, they're athletes. Yeah, but with a hundred mile distance, you know, God obviously chose base ten as the only number sequence in the universe that matters. And if anything is base <laughs> seven or nine, that's evil. And so everything must be fifty mile or hundred k. <laughs> yes, it's it's all very preordained by the cosmos. Forty two kilometers. Yeah, forty two point two k. There, at least there was a reason for the distance. Yeah, yeah. The the royal family um, wanted the race to finish in front of them, and so they extended the starting the finish line by 0.2k, and or whatever the story is. And so, yes, it's very scientific. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. You're right. That's uh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like Western states, right? I mean, the fact that it was a horse race, a horse and not a horse race, but no, it was literally it a horse race. Horse. Mm -hmm. You did it with your horse. Yeah, and rider, horse, and rider race. Yeah. Yeah ride and tie or whatever it's called yeah that guy is literally a lunatic the guy who had a horse it was a borrowed horse it basically went lame and then he just decided i'm gonna run a, a horse race yeah. he's, like, he's still up in donner and trucky he still finishes the, the hundred uh he still finishes well, the hundred well, mile western it. states race he bandits it every year <laughs> just oh, what does that mean bandit Oh, you mean he runs it without uh, registering into the... Uh... The young generation does not know what Bandit is. That's correct. That's what I happens when you're on Strava. Um, <laughs> not reading old dictionaries with dust on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you Bandit a race means you don't have a registration. You show up and, you know, even if you just go on the other side of the road or yeah. you do your thing, right? Yeah. And no one's going to stop you, really. It's, it's a public, with the exception of the Rucky Chucky River crossing i don't think they'd like that very much can you please usher me across this river in that race athlete boat only so well, that could yeah, be a good he's swim. not the type to care he would go a half mile upstream and cross there yeah I mean, he's a little bit more hardcore yeah so so tom you had a consult call with this fellow and he guy man dude bear pig and he called you athlete. and athlete we're not leaving <laughs> the CrossFit stuff out that stuff was good it's true all this yeah. what we just talked about was good. Oh God, I I I think we need to put this in front of some of our beta listeners, aka Natalie and Kevin, and be like, "Hey, how does this sound?" So, um, thousand miles around Lake Tahoe on a bicycle, self-supported. Not Lake Tahoe. It was not Lake, Lake Tahoe. God darn it, Chris! <laughs> in my head, um, Lake Michigan, and oh, that, that much, honest, this is much great. You're lake. not editing any of this. <laughs> oh great that's terrific and oh good <laughs> it'll give me an extra eight hours of my life to not constantly cut out all of our meandering so yeah he had just gotten into ultra cycling i think this might have been his first really big ultra cycling experience he wanted to do a thousand miles in eight days and so he called you and what did you guys even talk about 
Well, he checked in with me because he wanted to have a consult to understand more the logistics of doing this type of adventure, right? This is a, once, like I put on the post, it's adventures in endurance. And that's truly the description of what this was. And so we talked about that, what that means, um, what he wants to think of, how he wants to train for it, how to think of it differently versus, you know, the typical training for something that is more measured or more one or two or three days. Um, and so he was already in a group of randonneurs, and those guys are hardcore cyclists anyway in the format of um, that they ride 100 miles, 200, 300 miles, just completely unself-supported, unself-supported, <laughs> self-supported. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, see, now I'm doing it. Now you're getting to me, David. Our blood so, sugars uh, are low, Chris. Check your CGM. <laughs> yeah. Self-supported. So that means, you know, gas station food and so forth. But we yeah. went through it in pretty good detail and he had really good questions and he really nailed it when it comes to uh, figuring out all the things that he wanted answers for in order to prep for it. Then we had another follow-up email or two with um, questions that he had and his gear set up and how his bike was set up and so forth. Oh. And also some training fitness related questions around, you know, I've done this and this and this. Do you feel I'm ready? Um, so a lot of that was also the reassurance of letting them know that you ride yourself into shape for this and that there is no time goal. So, mm -hmm. you know, as you sort of get on your adventure, half the fun is figuring it out on your adventure and getting fitter during the adventure because you are figuring out the efficiencies and the optimization that you need to be on the adventure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for any type of long self curated adventure, quite honestly, that's half the fun, you know, that you're on, as you're doing it, you're having these sort of aha moments and you're sort of really sort of just smiling and laughing to yourself in the middle of nowhere going, Oh my God. Yeah. Now I'm starting to settle in. I get it. Right. And, but that's, that's what you want. That's part of an adventure in endurance that you have those experiences, those moments, and that just elation of like, Oh my, God, I'm doing this. I'm actually doing this. So, but wow. yeah, it, I mean, a great story, great um, tribute to what we're capable of that we don't have to necessarily train perfect for these things, that these are the opportunities that lie in front of us. I mean, he lives maybe 150 miles from the, the thousand K loop that he did. And so he's like, you know what? I just want to do it. I've heard of others doing it and I'm curious to do it. And I was going to do it with a buddy and that buddy, you know, I don't know if he got injured or couldn't do it or canceled or COVID or whatever it was. Um, and then he did it solo and it was great. It was fun to see. And his, his, again, his joy in it yeah. was very visible. I felt it on the call. I felt it afterwards when he was done and he wrote that super nice email that I shared with you, David. Yeah. That, you know, it, that just validates everything that we talk about, right? Unleashing the endurance potential that's within all of us. And I am fully, fully, fully of that belief in all of us that there's an endurance athlete waiting to be unleashed within all of us. I think it's part of our evolutionary biology in general. And I think the earlier and the better we connect to it, the better of a overall daily life we can have. And so he's a, that's just a poster board for that. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing is, um, he, 
had, he must've had a little tripod with him and he took a bunch of photos and videos. And so the whole thing is documented really well and we put it on our Instagram. So thank you, Tom, for supplying us with your Google Drive photos. And what people aren't going to see because you can only post 10 photos to an Instagram thing is uh, he took a photo every time he had a flat tire and he just three different times he's changing tires and got the bike upside down and he's got his tail bag removed and it's just a whole thing that he had to go through this was real work and he's got all the videos and photos of him in the rain and this was legit and real work you totally real work but yet there is something incredibly freeing I don't know how you felt that with your challenge week, but and I don't know if you've ever done anything like this, but there's something incredibly freeing when you're not in a hurry to get where you're going and you just have to do the distance. Now, of course, you have expectations with distances done per day, but when you have all day and you have a light, you're like, all right, I'm not going to stress about this. I am, it allows you once again to be back what you were saying before, to be fully present in the moment because the, the, the heavy blanket of expectation has been lifted. You don't carry that burden. You're just from sunrise to sunset, in this case, riding your bike or mm-hmm. running slash hiking, um, you know, if you're doing the PCT or the John Muir Trail or the Appalachian Trail, whatever your adventure is, and and again, for others to be able to experience that, I I, I that is what I love. I, I want everybody to have an opportunity to experience that, that freedom, that that fun, that memory. Again, experience creates the memories, and we remember the experiences, not the racing, not the go at it with you know five other competitors. We remember the experience because that creates the story back to the narrative around it. Mm-hmm. And it's that you know unlocking that potential via endurance experiences. He, Tom did exactly what this podcast, what this coaching, what the entire business of aim coaching revolves around right like unlocking your potential via endurance experiences the experience could be an event could be a race could be a self-curated could be an experience could be whatever it is but there is something there and tom will never be the same person from when he was before those thousand kilometers wow yeah a you know another thing that really jumped out about how tom did it um the how the intentionality uh he his wife or girlfriend or fiance whomever when he got home put up that giant sign on their garage door that said uh, in bright big colors holy shit you did it you are awesome and it was such a clear indication of the support and encouragement that he had from his family. This wasn't taking away and draining family time. This was deepening their connection. Correct. Correct. I think people really resonated with that on Instagram. Yeah. But there's also the, like, I can't believe you did it. Yes, you trained for this, but holy crap, you did it. Right. Like, yeah. Like we, we saw you ride off. Like if you think about it, when you close your eyes and go, we saw you ride off and just do this thing and go off into your adventure, right? Like you went off into the mountains, into the woods uh, on this road. And it's like, 
seven days later <laughs> there he comes yeah. <laughs> like there's just there's just something really cool about that like oh my yeah. god you did it like <laughs> ah like jaw drop like not because you didn't think he could or the training didn't show that but it just still takes a lot to do something like alone like this and overcoming adversity you know and more for the people who who stay at home not i'm not saying that in a negative way it's more that they are like i wonder what happened out there i wonder what experiences what you saw through your eyes out there on your adventure on your experience and not a jealousy question but more it's a curiosity question and again what does that spark within you how does that make you personally feel deep down inside? And do you wonder, well, could I do something like that? What can I do like that? And who do I want to be? Like, do I want to be, or do I want to follow that curiosity? Do I want to see what, what that itch will do? Uh, you alluded to challenge week. We mentioned we'd bring it up on the podcast. So yes. For reference, I did a 100-mile run in a week, and I did 250 miles of biking in that same week, and uh, it was all bike packing, so my bike was loaded out with full camping equipment, and I wasn't camping the full time, and... I know. I saw the receipt for the Four Seasons in... Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's where my credit card went, the AIM coaching card. <laughs> so, it was... Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! There's so many good jokes. Could you have this bike washed, please? Can you have these shoes polished? And I will be having my spa appointment. What's that? uh, That old commercial, the thick-headed commercial for uh, the beer commercial. It was three hundred dollars for a massage. I don't remember a massage. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, no, that was the first time in my entire life where I've literally had nowhere to be and. That was when I just kept cycling for half the night uh, because I felt good and kept going. And that was when I was able to, I was in the middle of nowhere on country roads and there was no one out there but cows and occasionally farmhouses and there were no cars really. And the roads were really high quality and smooth. And so I was able to turn off the headlight on my bike. I just had the rear flasher blowing up like crazy. And it was full moon and the clouds had parted in certain sections. And so I was just biking along, clear visibility at night. And it's the coolest riding I've ever done. Uh, I know I have a lot more riding ahead of me, so hopefully I can surpass it. But um, it, and What then did you learn, David? Um, actually, so I learned a lot, but one of the biggest things is the logistics, the planning. I totally screwed up on this. It is a workout itself. It requires a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of uninterrupted focus. And I didn't understand how complex it was to juggle three things simultaneously, camping and just finding water and food and scheduling the rides and the routes and scheduling the runs on top of that it was like all these little things were so hard to solve like how do you keep your feet dry because my feet were wet for you know 12 straight hours and it rained um during a lot of this and people at the gas stations and i wasn't eating real food for most of this i was eating gas station food because i was totally self-supported and people would be like oh the rain's coming i'm like yeah that's the point like we're getting crazy here and during this challenge week i went to the top of both of the local summits i did mount tam i did mount diablo on foot it was my first time just bike packing ever camping in adulthood it was I, don't know, I learned a ton but um if no, you get David, the logistics what did you learn 
I have no idea what I learned, Chris. Um, that twenty miles is a, a warm up, and that I can just go forever. Okay, let me phrase it what differently. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself? Um, I'm terrible at managing time. <laughs> At home or while you're out there? All the time. I am so, the amount of stuff I'm doing now, when I started with you, started working with you, I was running, you know, 30, maybe 40 miles a week. Like now that's a recovery week is 50 miles of running and I'm getting into cycling more. Like I I have some really big ambitions I want to ask you about for 24 hour rides this winter. And um, I want to find out how far I can go. And I've been putting a lot of thought into this and 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 then I have like a real job. Like I coach athletes. I produce a podcast, which actually I should probably spend less time doing because, you know, I love our fans, but there aren't a million of them. There's just thousands. And it, I spend an irresponsible amount of time editing anyways it, to also have a social life. And also I cook every night, which is a huge amount of time. Like I don't, I don't have enough time in the day anymore. I need to start becoming smarter and more intentional about my time. And that's why I gravitate towards Cal Newport so much because he has this entire system about how you give every minute of the day a job. And that's hard. That's really hard. So this this journey, this ultra endurance journey is making me the person I want to be, right? Someone who is disciplined and I've been a wild animal my whole life, proverbially speaking, just kind of doing what I wanted to do. And I'm just going to start up this car company and I'm just going to start up this real estate company and I'm just going to do all these different things I did. I'm going to go work for this management consulting world, the startup world. And now I, I have to grow up finally. It's been a while, been a long time coming. So that's that's what I'm learning. And it's really hard. It takes so much focus. It's a workout. It is a workout to just be able to show up to the day. Like that's how much effort and planning it takes to to live this life. But you know, I have this yeah. burning desire to do it and I'm doing it and still failing a lot, but also getting a lot of successes. And so now now empathize with a husband or wife in your life and children yeah and activities and the desire and the passion and the curiosity and the emotion that you have with this and the care but now you have even more layers of complexity you know complication complexity they're not a complication because there is a solution there's a path to it and so that's that's where we are that's who we are to our clients yeah helping them navigate that path what you just worded in a in a meaningful way now throw on those layers and feel feel truly the frustration of not being able to see a path out of it because of the demands of career, wife, husband, family, children that need you or want you, or that you just don't want to compromise that time for, um, other demands. And so you're constantly scanning the horizon. Where's my space? Where can I find that workout? Where can I find that, that, that resonated so deeply by you going on the bike tour and going on those midnight runs and, and darkness rides, that emotion, that feeling, that being disattached from the regular world and being like, oh my God, out here, I'm a totally different person. I can hear myself. I have all these ideas and this passion, this excitement. And when I get home, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. That goes away. 
once we're just back into daily life and that narrative. And that we lose so much of that creative, beautiful, caring, emotional, passionate, joyful, meaningful, you know, positive energy, not in a negative way, but it's just because the other things are layered in between. And so that, that is the master's endurance athlete. Wow. And, and that is what we, that is our job. Yeah. That is our job. Trying to help as many people as we can navigate life in this way. What it meant to you, it, that resonates with everybody. We all go through that. Mm-hmm. We all go through that. And we come back oftentimes from workouts, just even a daily workout with intentions and a clarity and like, this is what I'm going to do. And then as soon as you walk in the door and life just bombards you again, everything that you had intended gets whittled down to about 50% of that real quickly. Like you still have it in your mind, but you're like, now all of a sudden you're getting a left jab and a right hook and a gut punch and not again, not negative, but it's just like, lad, I got to deal with this. Like, right. Like, and then the next thing you know, it's three hours later and you're like, what was it I did on my run today that I was really excited to write down and think about and talk about? Like Mm -hmm. it it disappears. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you juggle that? I mean, as a great example right now, my family was harassing me and I'm on a podcast call. Like I can't talk to them right now. Yeah, I mean, and but that's that's why this lifestyle coaching. And again, I'm not trying to preach anything here. I'm just trying. It doesn't to say sound that like you're preaching. Wanna, it's relatable. Yeah, we want to recognize that this is not easy. And like, how do I use tools and insights and um, other methods, whether like you said, Cal Newport and stuff, to just continue to be aware that I can't do this all. I've got to be very intentional and very mm-hmm. deliberate and very thoughtful and caring, like. I, I I go to bed at night and I think about my day, like what went well, you know, I don't necessarily go enough through what didn't go well because I don't know, in my world perspective, not a lot doesn't go well, but, and I wake up in the morning and I journal my, I spilled water on my computer the other day. That was like the bad thing of the week. Okay, um, yeah. yeah, it's just stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, this right? Like, again, I can put that into quick perspective. Like, but mm-hmm. and then I wake up in the morning and I journal how I want my day to go. I know I'm not trying again, I'm not trying to be all self righteous BS here. I'm just saying yeah. it's one of many tools to help continue to navigate like this life, this the difficulty of getting it all in. Mm-hmm. Because, again, for many yeah. people, just like you recognize this endurance lifestyle, not necessarily the outcome, not necessarily the racing, but those experiences that you had and that many had on the challenge week and this sort of the insights and the feelings, but also when we do a long weekend training or something like that, they yeah. want more of that in their life or they don't want necessarily lose or less of it. Let's just say it that way. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, our life only gets busier as masters athletes and other responsibilities and so forth. So, Again, integrating this full circle of all the things that we're passionate about, that we care about, that we love, 
and then, you know, navigating and, and making choices and sort of working with all three uh, legs of the stool, or four legs of the stool or five legs of the stool, but, you know, prioritizing and all that. And we go through phases. There's going to be times when something's more important than the other, but let's have the conversation. Let's yeah. work through it together. Let's, let me give you some ideas. Let you, you give me some ideas. Let's all help each other because there's a way back to what you said from a community standpoint, like there's ways to do this better. Not much on optimizing everything, but just ways to do it better. Because the more we do things better, the more those guardrails that, I'm, that you were talking about continue to push us into a narrower scope of where we are actually doing the things we want to be doing very well. That's probably a really good place to, to end it. What do we have going on for 2022? Boom. We have the California Coast Ride. <laughs> Things are starting to materialize quite nicely. We got the California Coast Ride in January, our like 26th annual or whatever. Um, I always forget the number because I forget to look it up. Um, we're going to have our Sonoma training camp again mm -hmm. for triathlon. And I think there's more opportunity to have swimming and trail running in there as well because that lake sonoma course is fantastic and it's literally yeah. we run on the lake sonoma course so those of you that are interested in trail running and think ah, it's a triathlon camp no <laughs> david will take you out onto the trail courses oh it gets better yeah i'm racing that uh, lake sonoma 100k allegedly in yeah. may i think it's actually going to happen yeah. this time so yeah, yeah no this yeah, is literally cool. a training camp for me which is weird yeah. so rare. there's opportunities so. there yeah, we're doing Then it. we are doing the first annual Washington Coast Ride. Boom. To close out the West Coast this year. And, and that, that will is be Seattle. in September. I think, uh, yeah, well, we're not sure yet. We might, if the opportunity arises, um, we're still working on the logistics of that. We being me, myself, and I. Um, of Do we shuttle to the Canadian border and ride that piece back to Seattle and around the Olympia Peninsula to Portland so that we therefore have done truly from Canada to Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and with that, maybe we throw in that next year, we also have the opportunity on the 2023 California Coast Ride. I don't care about calendar year. Actually, since it's the San Diego year, this year is only the LA year. Um, we truly take a group that wants to touch the mexican border yeah and we just truly say all right now those of you that have done portland to san francisco you know seattle to portland and san francisco to san diego you're officially part of the the western coast club the wcc so that you know speaking of mexico so um our uh -oh. ultra endurance friends dylan and melody who um, join <laughs> on the on the coast rides they are kitting out their camper van to drive through Central America to South America. And they're kitting it out to be able to carry their four bikes and all of their water equipment because they do adventure races. And, you know, the best part about them, oh, they're totally going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, if you think your they're, life is they're cool. an awesome, They're an awesome bunch, a memorable yeah. bunch. Let's just say if you oh. meet the two, you will not forget them. That's true. Yeah, they're they're so amazing. Yeah, Melody was telling us stories of her upbringing, and uh, I was with your buddy Frank in the van at the end of the last Oregon Coast ride. 
oh my god you meet some interesting people on these ghost rides but yeah but so but that again you what look what comes forth if as you're seeing a bigger sample size of the people that i coach and that you're coaching they come from all walks of life all walks of life from you know, all kinds of backgrounds from all kinds of diversity and all kinds of story and all kinds of, you know, I, I can't explain to you from a, from a wealth to a poverty perspective to everything. Yes. And the reason I say these things is because I believe this is a human condition that we have this curiosity and that there is this inner voice and this whisper. And because I've seen it in Every background, every background from the most privileged. I mean, we're talking privileged, privileged billionaires mm -hmm. to people who definitely can't afford my coaching. <laughs> um, yep. It's across the board. And they all have this curiosity. There's something deeper to it. And yeah. Wow. Um, I want to ask, uh, let's say I hypothetically wanted to ride my bike for 24 hours. What uh, should I do over the next month and a half to prepare? Next podcast. Coming up. Yeah. Complete mission statement. In a world where people are not entirely clear on what's important to them comes <laughs> the mission statement. And David's 24-hour attempt around the Kizar track on his bike. Oh God, uh, I'm not mentally tough enough. I'm going to go pick a pretty place. I was thinking up Interstate 5 in California, over to the coast, and then down. Or just run long for 342 miles, like... Backyard ultra guy. The guy at last man standing. But again, that's it just continues to validate, like, what we think we're capable of, we're, we're capable of so much more.